peace finally. Uh, the Christian view is one of the views that really brings us so much comfort. We know that she lives again thanks to Jesus Christ. We know that we may live again thanks to Jesus Christ. What a comforting thought at these difficult times. Uh, Sheriff Lamb's um, son, as you know, uh, passed away. Uh, and I guess now the fiancé passed away as well. Our prayers are with all of them. Uh, again, every time we turn around, it seems to be uh, a more sad situation. But as far as I understand, Sheriff Lamb is soldiering on, and uh, our prayers are with him uh, and his dear family uh, as well. Uh, I don't really have a quote from the Sheriff Mack Supreme Court case win today, uh, except for uh, it relates to the topics that we're going to be discussing. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about guns. We're going to talk about pro-life. We're going to talk about constitutional courses, and we're going to talk about who will be president uh, in 24, or what we ought to do regarding that at least. Uh, so without further ado, we'd like to introduce our guest, Mr. Michael Prutka. He's ran for president of the United States on the Constitution Party. He's a Maryland-based constitutional attorney. Uh, he is the founder of the Institute on the Constitution. TheAmericanView.com is his website. He also ran for attorney general just recently in the state. Man, we're grateful for him and his leadership. He also sits on the board, the advisory board of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. More credentials than I can actually uh, bring forward. He's a father. He's a, a leader. He's a husband. He's a, wow, we just need more people like Michael Pruka. Welcome back to the Sheriff Mack Show, sir. Well, thank you very much, Sam. It's a great privilege to be with you and to be on the Sheriff Max show. I appreciate all your kind words, and uh, you're, they're so kind. I, I probably should say absolutely nothing now because. I, <laughs> well, we appreciate you and all that you do. Uh, one of the things on your website that I want to highlight before we get started, just because it's worth repeating, is why I want to focus on it. It says, "Pray, study, act." Wow! Just imagine if Americans were to pray, study, and act. What could happen to this nation, sir? Sure, there's a hierarchy. There's a there's a hierarchy of of of, uh, of contemplation and motivation and action, and uh, we we believe that. Yeah, I had a pastor one time who said, "Right action follows right thinking," and uh, prayer and study is what can put you in the in the in the context of right thinking, so that you could then do right acting. So. Uh, this this is a, so very important. As a matter of fact, it relates to 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 the one of the topics we're going to talk about today, which is education. Because in America, we have been taught for years and years and years to think wrongly. In fact, you, some would argue that we have been brainwashed, and that we are currently being brainwashed in America to to uh, to and the purpose being to decimate the the rightness and the righteousness of our thinking, and therefore the righteous rightness of our actions. So that's a, this is very important. Let's talk about right thinking in relation to firearms. Uh, I got a good news piece and I got bad news piece to bring up, which we'll do in seconds. But let's start with right thinking first. You know, a lot of people believe guns are, um, you know, weapons of mass destruction or they think of guns as, uh, you know, a criminal's best friend or when you think of gun control. You know, we've been indoctrinated forever that guns are somehow innately evil. Uh, that guns somehow are, you know, uh, uh, always related to lethality. Guns are, uh, you know, they're really bad in society. 
the right thinking on guns is a different viewpoint, which comes from God, which says, I have the right to self-defense. I have the right to protect myself from enemies, foreign and domestic, individually. We have codified that right constitutionally uh, as well. But I think of my uh, right to keep and bear arms as my great sacred defense of my person. I don't think of it as a as something of lethality or something of, um, you know, the, to go on the offense with or whatever you want to call it, uh, assault weapons or this or that. We need to realize we have a God-given right to self-defense. Guns seem to be codified as the way to protect that liberty, that right, that freedom as a defense mechanism. I think in America we've been indoctrinated to think about guns all wrong is the point, Michael. Yeah, uh, Sam, that's an excellent point. Um uh, yeah, this idea, on this idea, this idea of, uh, guns being, being, we're being brainwashed to think that guns, uh, are inherently evil, I think is the term you, you, you used. Um, let me, just, let me ask you to think about this for a second. First, just imagine, you know, when you, when there's been some kind of mass shooting and you see the reports of it on television, right? Generally, what do you see? Because you usually don't, you see, you see the aftermath of it, right? You see, think yeah, the of, carnage, think of, the trouble, the negativity. Well, yeah, and and at at the scene, I'm talking about at the scene, you see what you see, a lot of armed people. You see a lot of police. You see a lot of people coming to the scene, and what are they carrying? Firearms, for sure. Right. So, if firearms were the problem at the scene, why are the good guys bringing more of them? Excellent question. Highlights the point perfectly. In other words, these guys, these guys are the professionals. The professionals, when they have a, a, a situation, an evil situation, a, a deadly situation, a, a, a emergency situation, they come bearing firearms. They bring firearms to the problem, right? So how can firearms be the problem when the professionals bring firearms to the problem? Does that make any sense? Of course it does, Yes. <laughs> so it all depends yeah, on whose hands they're in, right? Of, of course, of course. So firearms. I'm just trying to use that as an example to show the firearms are not the problem. Firearms, in the eyes of the professionals, actually are very much a part of the solution to the problem. So, so firearms are a solution to violence. They're not. They're not. Uh, of course, they are instruments that are in, uh, inherently dangerous and inherently. Um, um, Need, uh, care needs to be taken, but that's the whole point. Um, it, 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 the the idea that the idea that that guns cause the problem is is uh, is something that try that they very much tried to brainwash the American people with, and the the reason is it, it, it essentially is very very clear. The reason is because they they what they do not wish you to be armed, and if because you they they wish to control you. And they can control you a whole lot better if you're if you're not armed. That uh, that's that that is just uh, patently true, and uh, it's such an obvious truth that we miss it. Amen to that. But the states have been pushing back, and we've been fighting hard to uh, put guns in their proper perspective, which is guns are the great equalizer, ladies and gentlemen. And so I name you know they always name guns, uh, you know. Uh, assault weapon or this or that. I call them uh, kill me not, rob me not, rape me not, because that's what they really are in the hands of good people. Stop criminal activity. 
Uh, and the good news is half of the states in the United States now no longer require residents to have a, quote, concealed carry permit anymore to carry firearms in public. Alabama, Indiana, Georgia, and Ohio all passed laws in 2022, basically getting rid of permit requirements. Now they're constitutional carry states. There's 25 states now, Michael. This is great news. We need a lot more, but it's a huge start, right? Well, it is It is good. I I, I, I want to caution, always want to caution and be careful to the uh, the idea of of uh, having to have some kind of permit or 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 a license to uh, do that which you already have a right to do is always dangerous. I mean, I always say your your carry permit is the Second Amendment. Um, you don't you don't need a carry permit because uh, uh, so so the idea of of uh, them being liberally given out is. Uh, is might be seem good on one hand but on another hand it's it's not good you don't you shouldn't you shouldn't uh in in if you actually go and ask for a license for something to do something that you already have the right to do you're actually validating in in a sense the 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 wrongness Uh, again this comes back to right thinking and wrong thinking you're you're validating the, the 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 falsehood the false premise i should say that um that government has the authority to control that in, in the first place. So, uh, look, they're, they're pushing back. There are very serious people that are, are, uh, bringing war against the United States and, and, uh, and, and acting in, in ways to deprive us of our liberty. And this, this gun topic is just one of the fronts on which we need to, again, think rightly and then act appropriately, act rightly. All right, there you have it. That is the good news, though. 25 states are recognizing that, you know what, you don't need some government permission to keep and bear arms. That's codified in your Second Amendment, and I commend these 25 states uh, for getting rid of that and just relying on constitutional carry is what a lot of times it's called. We need to make sure reciprocity or whatever it's called is uh, available for every state. Um, we need to really work on that aspect as well now and work on more states embracing the truth, but the enemy uh, is among us, President Biden and crew at the administration. Uh, and it's debatable if you can even call him president, but there you go. They say the ATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, now specified that Gun Control Act GCA regulations cover types of what they call incomplete pistol frames used in most guns. Okay, then they basically say, hey, we have the right to cover these partly made weapons. Some call them ghost guns. There's all kinds of names for this. But the Bureau now argues in its open letter to federal firearms licensees that partially completed, and I'm not an expert at this, so, but partially complete polymeri, uh, they call them lone wolf and similar striker firearms or automatic pistol frames, whether they're readily completed, whether they may be assembled, restored, or otherwise converted to a functional frame, thus fall under the GCA jurisdiction based on the Justice Department's, quote, frame or receiver rule. Uh, in short, the rule that became effective in August is setting regulations and now applies to all these. This is a backdoor attempt by the administration to regulate your guns. They basically come back and say, look, partially made guns, parts, et cetera, et cetera, we can regulate and control and make sure that you license and serialize uh, right. 
This is a gross abuse, Michael. For sure it is. Well, it's another way of infringing, isn't it? I mean, infringement being the, you know, be not, that shall not be infringed, being the, the operative phrase in the, in the Second Amendment. Um, so, look, they, they're not going to give up easy. They, 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 they've been working on a plan to control your life and to control you and to, and to take over our country uh, for years and years and, and getting rid of firearms and uh, by any means that they could possibly do is, is part of their deal. Way back in, in the 1880s, in a case called Norton v. Shelby County, the, um, the, the, the Supreme Court said this. They said an unconstitutional act is not law. It confers no rights. It imposes no duties. It affords no protection. It creates no office. It is in legal contemplation as though it had never been passed. This is the way we should think about the, the uh, legislation or the proposed legislation that you just described. These are enactments. But if they're unconstitutional, they're not only not law, they never were law. You don't have to wait for, for a court to tell you they're not law. You don't have to wait. And this is why, Sam, your organization, our organization, CSPOA, is so critical. Because at the local law enforcement level, sheriffs, police chiefs, police officers, sheriff's deputies have to understand that these kinds of things that they're passing – are not lawful and have no business being supported or enforced by, by uh, local law enforcement. This is why the, 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 the education that the CSPOA provides to, to, to sheriffs and to, and to police officers is so critically important because, because these, these enactments are what our founders would have called pretended legislation. They did call this, they did, did call such things, such as these things, pretended legislation. They did, that's language they actually used in the Declaration of Independence, Sam. And, and th- these pretended, these pretended, this pretended legislation is not lawful, never was lawful, but you need sheriffs who need, who understand that and are willing to, and are willing to stand by it and be and be supported by a citizenry who understands it and is going to, and is going to uh, be able to defend and articulate these truths. So this, this is, this is why CSPOA and its training is so very important. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, it is vitally important folks, vitally important. And let's talk about uh, the training that's offered from the CSPOA. That training uh, is usually delivered in person. Uh, it relates to sheriffs, and the role of a sheriff specifically, uh, there's constitutional discussions about checks and balances, about the state and the general government dual sovereignties or dual sovereigns, if you will, about the proper balance between those things, about the oaths of office, uh, etc. But ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bruca has incredible study materials of his own. Pray, study, and act. Right thinking precedes right action is the idea here. And in these incredible courses that you have, um, you've got basically four main courses that the Institute on the Constitution uh, has, folks. They're really good. They include the Truth of America's Founding. They have a Sheriff's and the Citizen's Training course. They have the Duty of the Jury courses, uh, just to name a few. Uh, Michael, these courses, how long are they? Give people kind of an understanding, will you? Well, sure. Uh, we've been publishing uh, uh, materials, courses of instruction and other uh, ancillary materials for uh, over 20 years now at Institute on the Constitution. And uh, the, 
the 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 idea here, uh, the, the the basic course is the U.S. Constitution course, and then we have some courses of instruction in various state courses, uh, and we're developing more for other state courses. And as you mentioned, uh, uh, how to be a good juror, what the jury duty is all about, uh, and the and the role of the sheriff and the and and the the role of the citizen uh, uh, supporting the sheriff. So. Um, all, all of these courses, if you go to uh, Institute on the Constitution, or excuse me, if you go, well, that'll get you there. But if you go to theamericanview.com, uh, you'll see our, our IOTC, Institute on the Constitution, website. And, and there's, there's lots of information there. My, my real hope, Sam, is that um, uh, the, the, the CSPOA will, will take this, this training and uh, utilize it at the sheriff's office level. Um, because again, for the reasons we stated a minute ago, this is so, so very important that sheriffs and sheriff's deputies understand what law is and what law isn't. And we have been fooled in many cases into thinking things are lawful that are not. And it, and it's, and it's so vitally important that sheriff's offices, uh, and share, everybody in sheriff's office, not only deputies, but all the employees of a sheriff's, of a sheriff's office and, and a, and a police, uh, Department need to have this 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 understanding um, because they are the last line of defense. Now, now, what would be wonderful and uh, what I what CSPOA, in my experience, when I've helped to train at CSPOA, what we've done is to train sheriffs and a few deputies, but the rest of the sheriff's office, which is back in the office, and the vast number of of deputies that are and and uh, employees that are there. Uh, they need to have this fundamental training as well. They need to understand what law is and what law isn't. And, and we need to come back out of a, of a situation where we have been trained not to think as Americans. We have to think like Americans again in an American view of law and government. And, uh, so I'm very much hoping that, uh, that we can, that, uh, CSPOA can, uh, going forward can not only train the sheriff, but all of the sheriff's deputies. And then my hope is that the sheriff, each sheriff's department or each sheriff's office, excuse me, each sheriff's office will um, conduct courses of instruction for its citizenry so that we raise the level of understanding of, 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 of constitutional understanding among the citizens. This is vitally important because, Sam, for years and years and years, uh, the, the, the major media, the managed media, but sometimes we call it, uh, and also the, the government schools, they have been training people away from these understandings of law and government so that so that that uh the bad guys the evil people uh, are able to get away with things because we don't know what we ought to know we don't know the basics we don't know the fundamental principles and we don't know the content most police officers sam most most sheriffs at at some at a police academy only get a smattering of understanding of maybe the fourth and fifth amendment they really don't get knowledge and and in-depth knowledge of of the content of the Constitution of the United States or their state, or the principles that underlie it. So, so, so this, this, we, I think we need to think very, very broadly in our, uh, in our idea of, of training and get down to the grassroots level with, and, and we have the courses of instruction to, in, in order to do that. Representative Ron Paul had this to say, Institute on the Constitution classes should be taken by every elected official, and every U.S. citizen who desires to have the United States government constitutionally ran. Ron Paul. Now, I want to talk about these courses uh, a little bit uh, individually, if you will. 
Uh, the first course basically includes U.S. Constitution. It's a basic training getting started course. How long is that course? Well, it's actually 12 lessons, uh, and uh, we find that we it's it's probably because some of these materials have to be reinforced and studied and, and, and they're ancillary materials, we find it good to stretch it over like a 12-week period. It doesn't have to be that way. It can be it can be condensed if you if you'd like to do that, but we find that it that uh, we do we do a lecture a week with uh, with uh, which is about a fifty minute lecture forty forty or forty five minute lecture uh, then with uh, uh, with reinforcement so that the, the total class time if you will is about an hour and a half um, and uh, and if we do that once an hour a week, and a half per and, week right. An hour and a half per week. Yeah, like let's say we do this on a Wednesday, and we and we uh, we we take about an hour and a half or a two hour period to do it to get the full discussion and questions answered. Um, and then uh, there are there are materials, there there uh, are reinforcement materials. There's there's tests at the end of the chapter. There's in other words, it's it's at, at over twelve weeks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hang tight. Michael Peruka with us. TheAmericanView.com is his website. Michael Bruca sits on the advisory board for CSPOA.org as well. We'll tell you more about the training in seconds on Brideon TV. Treasure Island Coins and Precious Metals. Mike Adams of NaturalNews.com says, 2020 has shown us that we must prepare for the unexpected. Gold and silver will be indispensable to your fiscal security during the coming financial pandemic. Shipments of real gold and silver are delivered safely, discreetly, and securely right to your door. You can also hold precious metals in your IRA. This allows you to protect your retirement savings with the ultimate safe haven, assets of gold and silver. Your metals are held in the form of physical coins and bars in a private depository under your name and on your behalf. Simply visit BrighteonMetals.com today. Gold and silver will be indispensable to your financial security. Shouldn't you at least look into it? Treasure Island Coins and Precious Metals, in business since 1976. Visit BrighteonMetals.com today. America, America, America. This is the place you want to be. Righty on TV, they offer the truth. You know, the truth will set you free. That's the bottom line. And so evil operates in darkness. The truth is the light. So come to Brighty on TV. My name is Bo Holney. I do interviews with them regularly. This is an amazing channel. They've done amazing work. Come to Brighty on TV and listen to the truth. At the Brighton store, we offer a variety of colloidal silver solutions that we make in Texas using Texas rainwater and specialized circuitry that I personally designed to produce silver ions in purified rainwater. We have a colloidal silver extra strength spray, a silver-based first aid gel, as well as a colloidal silver herbal mouthwash solution that people just rave about. Each one of these is subjected to our rigorous laboratory testing for metals, glyphosate, and microbiology in order to ensure product purity and safety for your health. We manufacture our own silver products right in the heart of Texas and deliver them to you using our own warehousing and fulfillment infrastructure that we built to serve real America. All of us here at Brighteon, thank you for your support. Shop our silver products at brighteonstore.com. 
All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman and our dear brother Michael Perutka on your broadcast today. And uh, if you don't know about Michael, he's a Maryland-based constitutional attorney. He's the founder of the Institute on the Constitution. His website's theamericanview.com. And the reason I love that site so much is even the name helps you understand. We need an American view. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't just have this random view from socialism or communism or whatever. You've got to understand the American view. And the way you do that is they've got four courses, ladies and gentlemen. The U.S. Constitution is the first one. It's really like 12 lessons, about 18 hours of study. It can be done over several weeks or a couple of months. The Truth of America's Founding, which is a four-part series, Sheriff and the Citizen, a six-part kind of series, Duty of the Jury uh, is about an eight-course series. So you've got literally like, uh, let me think about this, 12 and 4 and 6 and 8, you know, 16, 22, about 30 lessons, ladies and gentlemen. But here's the good news. If you become a member of the Institute on the Constitution, you can then have and study all four courses that can be done in person. It can be done online. You can get all four courses as a pack. I mean, it's just available in a variety of ways based on your needs, based on your circumstances, based on your, uh, and you know what? In person, in my opinion, is one of the best training mechanisms, Michael. Yes, of course it is. It's very, uh, you can do it, as you say, we're, uh, the website is set up so that you can do it individually. You can do it on your own and, um, as you mentioned, if you're a member, and we, we ask, you know, our membership started just $10 a month. Um, if you're a member, you, you, uh, you have access to all of, all of those materials. You can take any of those courses as many times as you want and, 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 uh, uh, and share them. So, um, uh, but, but yeah, uh, as you mentioned, the, the title, The American View, and it's very important because it, 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 there is an American view of law and government, Sam, and that's what these courses are designed to elucidate and to recover and to reintroduce us to, because we've gotten away from that, that American view of law and government is contained very concisely and precisely in the Declaration of Independence. You know, Jefferson said, we hold these truths to be self-evident. And then he listed five self-evident truths. He said, there's a creator, God. He said, our rights come from him. He said, the purpose of civil government is to protect God-given rights. Then it's not to redistribute your wealth. It's not to protect your, it's not to protect your health. It's, it's to protect your liberty so you can protect your health. And then the fourth step of the truth is that, is that government is, is by consent of the government. We've, we've lost that. Uh, they try to drive that out of us. They, we, they can't, they only have authority because we give it to them. That, that's, that's, and that's why they don't want you to understand the Constitution because they don't want you to understand that, 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 that American view of law and government. Um, so all these things are contained. This, this view that, that is so important is contained in the Declaration. And the purpose of these courses is to, is to recover that. You mentioned the first course, the, 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 uh, the basic U.S. Constitution course. We, we, it, it, as you mentioned, it's, it's 12, it's 12, uh, lessons. And we don't even get to the con, to, to the text of the Constitution until, until lesson five. Because it takes, it takes a great deal of understanding of not only the text, but the context. In other words, the principles, the underlying principles that are involved. That, that we just discussed, that these these uh, self-evident truths uh, that Je- that Jefferson put in the Declaration of Independence, and and that uh, that were that that actually constitute the American view. 
And so if you understand the American view, then it helps you to, to see and understand these other views that are trying to be forced on us. It, it shows you uh, the, the falsehood of the socialist view and the communist view and, and other views that are the, the Marxist view, right? So, but but if, if you don't have that context, if you don't have those principles in your mind to start with, you're just led down, you could be just led through the woods to any old path. So that's why, that's why, as you say, this is, this is extremely important, not only for local law enforcement, but for the citizenry that supports local law enforcement. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, to learn more, theamericanview.com. Uh, and as we work on the training for the CSPOA, we will be working on implementing, uh, more and more of Michael's, uh, training. Uh, as an extension of the in-person training that we start with. And so we'll be embedding some of Michael's trainings in our trainings. We will be then uh, working with and making available that extra training uh, that you can do. We can't be with somebody all 20 plus hours of 30 hours of training, but we certainly can in person get you started on the fundamentals, make sure we hammer some, home some of those things, get you fired up by understanding the American view, uh, and then provide uh, extra training that you can carry forward with. It's going to be available for sheriffs and all elected officials, but it's also going to be available for the citizens as well. So stay tuned for more of that. I want to talk about pro-life a little bit, though, ladies and gentlemen, because Michael Pruka has been a, an absolute defender of pro-life forever. I mean, the guy his whole life has been setting up for pro-life, and I'm so grateful for that, ladies and gentlemen. But listen carefully. Um, California and New York now require all private insurance programs or insurance plans to cover abortions if they have uh, maternity care coverage, Michael. This is disaster because you put the two states, California and New York, together, and they're huge. It almost becomes, a sadly, a bellwether for America. This has got to stop. Trump goes on and says, hey, it's not my fault. They lost. They lost because of abortion. And that we didn't stand up enough for pro-life. Now it turns out the chemical abortions are the majority of U.S. abortions that happened in 2020 for the first time, according to the pro-abortion group, the Gut Mocker Institute. Uh, it's a disgrace, Michael. We have got to stand for pro-life if we have, a, if we want to have a prayer to save America. Sure, you know. Um... I, I just got a piece of mail from a friend of mine the other day, and on, on the on the envelope it says you, you can't. As a matter of fact, it's right here. Uh, it says if 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 you're going to murder 3,500 babies a day, how can you possibly expect God to bless America? Um, look, th- what you, what you just described with this this insurance uh, regulation or whatever it is. Of course, of course, it's not lawful. Remember Norton versus Shelby County. It's an it's whatever it's it it, it it's not lawful from its from its uh, an unconstitutional act is not law. It confers no rights, imposes no duties, etc. So, uh, but we have to understand that again at local law enforcement. Understand that it's not law. So this idea that equate uh, with the with the regulation, the insurance regulation. What they're trying to do, Sam, is equate in in medical parlance life and murder, saving life and 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 and, uh, and committing murder are seen. As the same, just another another choice, right? No, um, this is antithetical to the American view of law and government. It's antithetical to God's law, um, and it is uh, the, the, this idea that that we're that we're going to equate these two things is is a is a 
is a giant, giant lie. Um, uh, but that's what the, but that's what, that's what the, I think that's what they're trying to, uh, uh, you, uh, get you to understand. You know, what we hear people talk about reproductive rights. I lo- this, I, I'm going to say I love this term. I hate this term, but, I, but I hear, I hear, I hear my opponent in the, uh, the, uh, race for attorney general here talked about he was defending reproductive rights. Well, think about re- what he means is abortion. What he means is murder. How can, for, to me, the term reproductive rights means the right to reproduce, not the right to murder, the right to kill. That, I mean, so you see how, how the language is perverted, the words are perverted. Um, look, uh, the, 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 the very first, the very first right that the Declaration of Independence that seek, that Jefferson said needs to be protected, uh, is life. Uh, if you, if you, if, if your life is not protected, then it's, it's, it's nonsense or silly to talk about protecting any other rights if you're not going to protect the right to life. It's fundamental. It's, and especially uh, the most innocent among us as well. Absolutely, Sam. What could be, what could be more horrible than, than, than the, the unsafest place you can be in America today is in your mother's womb. You're, you're less safe there than you are anywhere else. I mean, that's just horrible. That's just hard. All right. That's so I'm just, grateful for the overturn of Roe versus Wade. It's a start. I agree. It's not a federal government issue. Uh, but then now the states are battling this chemical abortions where pills are being shipped in secret, you know, private packages across the country has become the greatest way to murder babies now. Chemical abortion. Uh, you've right. got the states now doubling down and becoming quote, I don't know what you want to call it, murder sanctuaries. I, I don't know what words to use for this criminal activity going on. Uh, nevertheless, we see the battle happening and, I I'm, I agree with Trump in a sense that I'm afraid a lot of these people uh, aren't willing to stand up long enough or endure enough. The Republicans literally before the election melted down. Half of them stepped away from the pro-life issue. Sadly so. We, we really got to bring this back to the core of our understanding, Michael. Well, well, sure. Um, and Republicans have not been, I mean, the the disappointment over of the Republican Party. I, I don't even have time to talk about it. It's so vast and so and so horrible. Um, but th- this this idea that once Roe v. Wade is was overturned, that now it's up to the states to decide the legality of abortion, is a false way of thinking. There again, let's think rightly. Abortion never was, is not, and never will be legal by anybody. It, it violates. Let's talk about on on two levels why why it will never be legal and can't be legal. On the first, there, there's there's the eternal level. There's God's word, which uh, uh, which is 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 law and truth uh, at all times, at all places. It applies to all people. Um, and and Exodus twenty uh, thirteen says, "Thou shalt not murder." So the, there, it violates God's law. On the, and the other reason. It violates the Constitution. There, these these innocent uh, these these innocent babies in the womb have not been in, they have committed no crime. They they've been in, they have not been indicted by a grand jury. They have not faced the jury of their peers. There is there is no justification for the taking. There's no legal earthly justification for the taking of their lives um, uh, uh, because because it violates well. I've just been talking about Fifth Amendment. It, viol- it violates the Constitution, so it violates God's law. It violates man's law, and um, we have we 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 are being tricked and 
brainwashed into thinking that it's something that states now, after Roe v. Wade, have the authority to make legal. States don't have the authority to make it legal. States still, like they always have, have the obligation to stop it and end it. And the, the way that, you know, we talk about establishing justice, the way that justice is established is that injustice is identified and punished. That's the way it's established. So those who, those who commit these murders need to be brought to justice. The, the moral high ground is the key, ladies and gentlemen. It's important to understand the proper role of government. If I don't have the right to murder, then I can't delegate that right to government. That is the quintessential point. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, pro-life is an important issue, uh, and running for president is a key issue. We need good, honest Americans who understand the proper role of limited government to run for office. Michael has done so as president in the past, as attorney general of Maryland most recently. What do you think is going to happen in this 24 election? You've got Trump that's already announced his bid. You've got DeSantis who has not announced, but everybody's begging him to. You've got Mike Pence who's, I guess, somehow jumped in the fray as well. What do you think things are looking like for 24? Will we move more towards the proper role of government? Do you think, do you think we've got candidates that can really move the needle towards liberty, Michael? Well, uh, you know, time will tell. And, and, uh, I, I, this is the hardest question that when, when you, when you told me what we're going to talk about today, this is the hardest one. I circled it. Um, because, because <laughs> hopefully we, we don't, we don't know. Um, I will, I will say this, uh, with regard to, to Donald Trump. Um, there, there are many things, uh, that, that people say against Donald Trump, but I, I wanted to say that, that, uh, in my lifetime, I am not aware of all the, all the presidents that is, and I was born, by the way, during the very end of the Truman administration. Okay. So I've been around a while. Um, but I don't know a, uh, a president who has been, uh, who has championed American interest like Donald Trump. I don't think that's been done by, by anybody else, any other president in my lifetime. Um, most of the presidents in my lifetime have been uh, uh, New World Order-oriented, uh, globalist-oriented. Um, certainly, I ran against Mr. Bush in 2004, uh, and uh, I believe he saw himself as the president of the world, although he was not president of the world. He's president of the United States. Uh, so I, I think this globalist uh, mentality, this, this allegiance to international trade treaties, international trade agreements, and this globalist mindset is extremely dangerous. Donald Trump, in a sense, was a breath of fresh air in, in that uh, his allegiance clearly was to America. And while, you know, I, I can't read his heart, I can't read his mind or his heart, um, uh, I, I, the, the reaction against him by globalists has been so overwhelming and so uh, and actually so ridiculously uh, overwhelming that, uh, that 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 recommends him to me in a sense. We be, even with uh, some things that I would I would disagree with uh, with him about. So um, I, I think he's the I think he's the big dog in the race. Um, uh, I I think what 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 uh, DeSantis has done in Florida is, is very, very, uh, admirable. Um, uh, certainly, I, 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 if my understanding of it is correct, and that's a, that's a big if. 
because a lot of the motors and things that go on, we don't really have access to. Uh, but Amen to that. It's, Mr. DeSantis has, as, as Governor DeSantis has, has, uh, uh, provided the Floridians with a, uh, a framework of, of, of ordered liberty that is disappearing in other parts Amen. of the country. I'll tell you the reason I asked this about Donald Trump is because, you know, I think Donald Trump's biggest mistake in the first go round was who he chose to surround himself with. I think Donald Trump's instincts are fairly good. I think he means well. And you get the wrong people around him and they undermine everything that he wants to do and does and everything else. Uh, and I think this go round, if he should get elected in 24, I would really lean on the president to say, hey, you've got to surround yourself with people who are absolutely sound in the principles of God, family, and country. They understand the Declaration of Independence. They understand the Constitution uh, in meaningful ways. Uh, to where we can protect liberty, we can abolish governmental agencies that are unconstitutional and abusing, eating out the substance of the citizens and more. Uh, and so maybe the Lord said you can't be Attorney General of Maryland, sir, because you're supposed to be with Donald Trump, Attorney General for the U.S. in a couple of years. That's what I'm voting for, Michael. Well, well uh, let's let we'll, we'll you know from your lips to God's ear, right? Um, well, there you, know, you have it. I, I really think it's critical though to surround him with the right people. Yeah, you're you're right, and you know uh, Ronald Reagan, for example, was a, was a disappointment in that regard. Although although many people have wonderful things to say about Reagan, you know he he a lot of his cabinet uh, appointees uh, were were one you know were New World Order, one world government folks. They were council and foreign from, for council and foreign relations people, um, and uh, uh, I think that Trump probably uh, did the best he could. Uh, and again, I, I don't, can't read his mind or his heart, but I think he did the best he could. But but he did have people. There there's there's so many of the swamp creatures um, are hard to recognize, and and I think he he probably needs to uh, recognize a little better. Ladies and gentlemen, what if Trump was president and Michael Pruka was the attorney general? Could you imagine getting started like that? Then we could put uh, Sheriff Richard Mack. Uh, in charge of, say, the FBI, uh, we could start to surround the president with constitutionalists. Um, you know, guys like me might be the media guy to take on the mainstream press. I'd have press conferences all the time and tell the tale. And, you know, what if we could work together and surround the president with just good, honorable, constitutional, God-fearing people who believe in Christ-type leaders that understand God, family, and country, that understand the consent of the governed, that understand the proper role of government with checks and balances and due process. And, man, just imagine if everybody in government were required to take the CSPOA and the Institute on the Constitution courses, Michael. I mean, I'm just dreaming now, buddy, but just imagine what America could be like, sir. Well, you know um... – they say that was it the the French nobleman. Uh, why why does his name escape my? Uh, um, that in the 1830s, and he, he said, "America, America will be America is great because America is good, and when America stops being good, America will stop being great." And that's essentially what's what's occurred. And so, a restoration of 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 this this is where we started the program uh, today, Sam. Um, right thinking, a restoration of right thinking will lead to a restoration of right acting. And right thinking involves, look, there's a way that God made the world. There's a, there's a way that God made the world. And when we, when, when we live in harmony with that way that God made the world, we prosper. And when we disobey 
that that way we disobey his word disobey his law um and we and we seek to steal the rights of other people and, and disparage them then we we fail so um it's it's really uh you know for for two long years we've been abused and censored or no for three years we've been abused and censored and tyrannized uh, by people who want to indoctrinate our children and invalidate our elections and eliminate our parental authority and, and steal our substance and we, and res, re, just, and just, uh, reduce us to servitude. So, uh, it, we need, we need to, uh, see the world as it is and act in accordance with, with right thinking and, um, and, uh, pray to God that he, he will help us to restore, that he will restore America. All right, Donald Trump wishes Happy New Year for everyone and calls for peace in 2023. Happy New Year 2023. Let hope, faith, and courage drive our efforts, writes uh, the Gateway Pundit. I agree with these guys, Michael. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, uh, uh, and again, it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's funny that, that the, that, we're told that we can't have, uh, we, we can't celebrate Christmas. We can't, we can't say Merry Christmas, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the, 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 the birth of the, of the stage, but political event in the universe. And we, we need to rehearse it and celebrate it. Thank you, Michael Pruka. We'll have you back soon, my friend. TheAmericanView.com to learn more. I'm Sam Bushman. You are watching The Sheriff Mac Show. To learn more, cspoa.org. Become a member today. And thanks to Brighty on TV. government has the power to activate a kill switch on all telecommunications, instantly shutting down all private phone calls and texts. An EMP weapon or solar flare can achieve the same result. Rolling blackouts or permanent power outages will also take out the power supply to cell tower antennas, rendering mobile devices all but useless. During these emergencies, how do you stay in touch with the important people in your life anywhere on the planet? The answer is the Bivy Stick at sat123.com. The Bivy Stick is a two-way satellite text messaging device that uses a satellite constellation, not cell towers, to send and receive text messages. It works anywhere on planet Earth, including in war zones or blackout areas. 
In unpredictable times, the Bivy Stick helps you stay connected when it matters most. Visit sat123.com to get one while they're still available. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman on your radio and TV. Incredible event. Michael Pruka was with us, ladies and gentlemen. He's one of the quintessential constitutionalists in the Republic today. I'll tell you that right now. We talked about with Dr. Cut Bradley yesterday, and I reiterate today. The people oppress one another. Men against man, neighbor against neighbor, says the scriptures. We have got to work on stopping that. We need to be honest, good, moral neighbors, ladies and gentlemen. We need to really make a difference. We need to learn to live on less of everything, folks. That is the key. Because the more you live on things and places, the more expensive everything becomes. That's the problem. Uh, and so we've got to learn to live on less. We've got to have less food. We're all getting fat. I guess I should speak for myself, huh? <laughs> Uh, we, all, we all have just too much, man. We live a gluttonous life. We suck electricity like you wouldn't believe. Uh, they're going to make a lot of that more and more and more expensive to prevent us from doing so. So the sooner you learn to live and reduce your footprint, I'm not an environmentalist, but I'm telling you they're going to force us into this. We might as well go on our terms, not theirs. Time magazine declares that exercise is white supremacy. What a disgrace these people are, folks. How is it white supremacy to exercise? I encourage all cultures to exercise. You want to know why? As far as I understand, exercise, according to physicians and doctors and those in the know, believe that exercise for the human race is good. Therefore, to me, the exercise for the human race is good. Black people should exercise while being black. White people should exercise while being white. Asians and other uh, ethnicities should do the same, right? All right, we talked about this incredible hero, He's a New York hero. His name is Jay uh, Whitley, and he saved 23 people during Monster Storm. Uh, he broke into a school, and he got everybody warmth and safety and food and stability, uh, saved them from the blizzard. God bless him for his leadership and his skills. But let me tell you the saddest part about this, folks. As far as I understand, when Whitley went to 10 different households, he begged them, please, I'm in the middle of a storm. I'm fearing for my life. May I please sleep on your floor? Ten households turned him down. He offered $500 to them to be able to sleep on their floor. And to a person, they all said, no, sorry, bye. 
Sadly, that reminds me of Joseph and Mary going to the inn. There's no room for you, buddy. Well, in a way, I'm grateful they all turned him down because that's how he pushed and went into the school and was able to go out and use snowblowers to remove snow and knock on people's car door or car windows to, uh, you know, hey, I've got a place for you to come and stay. Come on, I'll get you out of the storm. And all that happened, so what a blessing that was. But what a shame on the American people, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, again, I get if you're a single woman alone and you're fearful of this man, I get it. Uh, but if you, um, you know, a family, I don't see why they wouldn't give this guy, this poor guy a chance, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, long story short, uh, we need to turn to Christ to be more of a Christ-like people. We want to be the good Samaritan. We don't want to be the priests and the others who walked on the other side of the road. Do we? Do we really want to be those people? I don't. I want to be a constitutionalist. Well, Donald Trump paid zero dollars in taxes, they say, and he's not alone. Sixty percent of households pay no federal income tax. And what the average American would think is, wow, we got to get them paying their fair share, man. See, I don't agree. These progressive taxes are communist, ladies and gentlemen. Go study your communist manifesto. It's one of the planks, progressive income tax. We have got to reject that. I'm grateful that 60 percent don't pay taxes. I'm grateful Donald didn't pay. And I think we got to work on ways to make sure none of us pay. We ought to abolish that unconstitutional tax. Jettison the tyrannical and abusive agency called the IRS that the American people are flat out in fear of, and so is Congress these days, because they've gotten too big. They've, they've literally um, taken power into themselves wrongfully. Uh, and now they're a secret combination above the people. We've got to stop that. So let's stand for the right principles as we stay free in 23, baby. All right, hour one in the can. Brighteon.tv is the live. Brighteon.com for archives. Lovingliberty.net for the radio version. Hour one in the can. Hour two coming up. I'm Sam Bushman. Thank you to Michael Prutkun, everybody that's producing all these broadcasts for us. God bless you and all that you do. Hour two coming up in seconds. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. We declare we the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, we can and will restore America. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Roads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman on your radio. Uh, hard hitting, always. Even for 2023, our claim is let's stay free. This is the broadcast for Tuesday, January the third, in the year of our Lord, 2023. And the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property to promote God, family, and country to do so in the traditions of our founding fathers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. We've got a dear friend with us, hasn't been with us in a while. I think the holidays and everything else got away from us, but we're getting back to our routine. Patrick Simmons, my dear friend from Right to Work, back with us live. 
Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hope you and your family had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you, Sam. Good to be back, and, uh, and same to you and your family. All right, righttowork.org is the website for Patrick and crew. I've been getting some emails that I find uh, very concerning from Rand, Paul, and others. And here's the headline that we'll have Patrick respond to. The union boss's political machine spent more in the 22 election cycle than ever before in a midterm election to further their radical, I would call it communist, but it says forced union agenda, ladies and gentlemen. Look, unions are fine. Forced unions are tyranny. That is the reality. But, man, they are absolutely doubling down like never before, aren't they, Patrick? Yeah, and we're seeing it um, all, all across the country last year. I mean, I you know, there's, of course, we haven't spoken in, in a few months. Um, but, you know, one of the things we, we were – I found people asking in, in November was, hey, what happened? And um, certainly part of that is is this enormous um, – forced dues-backed political machine. Um, I mean, we know from their own figures uh, that they're spending around $2 billion on politics and lobbying. Um, there's another analysis we had, uh, not of the midterm, but of uh, 2020, where we, we actually, you know, tallied everything up, and when we're looking at, you know, 10 to $12 billion, um, likely, once you count everything, um, in terms of how much money union bosses are spending to influence our our government and um, and change policies to their liking, and uh, and yeah, it's it's all about um, forcing workers into union ranks they they don't want to be a part of. Um, we're fine with voluntary unionism. If a worker wants to join a union, they should be allowed to do so. If they want to pay dues to a union, they should be allowed to do so. But it shouldn't be mandatory, and that is um, at the core of big labor's uh, agenda. They want to get people. Uh, in Congress and, and elsewhere, who will vote to give them more coercive power um, to force workers to do things they don't want to do, um, most especially to be in a union um, and then to pay money to the union. And then they turn around and they spend that on politics, um, and that's where you get, you know, uh, literally billions of dollars um, going into uh, elections and, and lobbying and everything else that, that's taking place all across the country. Make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, big labor and their political leviathan are still as powerful as and as abusive, as dangerous as ever. We need to understand that. The union bosses still have the Biden administration and the federal bureaucracy to do their bidding. Don't think we've stopped them and we're clear because we're not. It's clear for the next two years with union guy Joe, the big guy, <laughs> in the White House, forced unionism. And they will basically work more and more through backroom deals to get their agenda uh, passed. We've got to really remain vigilant. We've got to really, whoever's running for president, whoever's running for uh, different offices across the land, really need to speak up and make this a quintessential discussion point. Because if we're not very careful, they've already staffed the... Uh, Human Relations, Labor Board, or whatever it's called, and and folks, we're in we're in serious trouble if we're allowed to let them do these deals in the back rooms without the light being shined on them, Patrick. Yeah, and you know, I mean, their their top priority in Congress, which now you know we think is is probably we're still finding out who the Speaker of the House is exactly going to be, but at least there there should be enough votes in the House 
um, to stop it is the what they call the PRO Act. Um, and what that bill does is it, uh, it well, does a number of things, but it wipes out every right to work law in the country uh, by federal fiat. It would have card checks, so no more secret ballot votes for uh, unionization. Instead, the unions can get in just by, you know, having a, a, a couple guys show up to your house late at night, say, hey, sign this card, and then they turn around and use that card as a vote um, that the, the labor board will, will use to impose the union on every single worker. Um, and it has a whole bunch of other things. But now that that seems to be stopped in Congress, um, what we are already have been seeing, and I expect we're going to see a lot more of, is they're going to try to implement a lot of that through the bureaucracy. Um, the National Labor Relations Board, which you mentioned, is definitely um, one of the places where we're seeing a lot of that activity. Um, but the Department of Labor is, is doing, putting its uh, thumb on the scale. Um, we're actually seeing, I mean, uh, Health and Human Services is, tr is in the process of reinstituting um, an Obama-era scheme where they uh, take Medicaid money that's supposed to go to, to helping um, people who, with their health care um, who, who, you know, uh, need it, and instead uh, siphoning that off, um, a percentage off to the SEIU. Um, we, we estimate that, that during the Obama years they, they took in like $400 million dollars um, through that, and they're going to turn that on again and get that going again. Um, so all across uh, the, the federal bureaucracy, um, we're seeing all these appointees uh, that Biden put in um, really going to work and saying, hey, if we can't get it done through Congress, can't pass laws um, that, that big labor wants, uh, they're going to try and, and, and do it by, by changing the rules and, and using the, the bureaucrats um, in the executive uh, branch to do that. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Now, tell me about this Labor Relations Board or whatever. They've got this sucker fully staffed and geared up to go whole hog, don't they? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, the, the National Labor Relations Board um, is supposed to be in charge of uh, neutrally um, enforcing federal uh, labor law, the National Labor Relations Act. So this applies to most um, private sector employees uh, in the country. Um, but what we're seeing, and We've seen it before, but it's really, uh, even compared to the Obama years, what, what's going on the Biden uh, National Labor Relations Board is is really um, very radical. I mean, they're basically, they're just, across the board, they're, they're becoming a taxpayer-funded organizing arm for the unions. Um, they've got uh, the two, uh, it's a five-member board. Two of the people on that board are former uh, union lawyers. Uh, another one uh, is the, the chairwoman, and she um, is a longtime uh, union person. I think she, she previously worked um, for uh, Senate uh, Democrats on there on the Labor Committee in, in the Senate. Um, so you've got, you know, uh, a majority there that is pushing full speed ahead on all these things. Um, they're simultaneously making it harder for unions uh, for workers to decertify a union that's a, something that the national labor uh, national right to work foundation gets a lot of workers saying hey there's a union in my workplace we don't want it there how do we get rid of it and it's a complicated scheme a complicated you know um, process but uh, but basically we're seeing this national labor relations board making it harder and harder for them to get out of the union but then if the union wants to come in um, they're trying to basically make that mandatory. Um, and so in addition to the five members on the board um, and the, the Biden majority that's, that's working uh, full steam ahead there, you've got what's called the 
general counsel. It's basically the chief prosecutor of labor law. She's another um, former union lawyer. Um, she was at the, the CWA union, um, Communication Workers of America Union. Um, they're the union that uh, unionized is, or has unionized most of the um, newspapers in the country. So if you you know the Washington Post, the New York Times, uh, most of those reporters are paying dues to this union. She's now running the National Labor Relations Board and deciding who to prosecute. Um, and so, unsurprisingly, um, she's going after all the the uh, the enemies of the unions, going after companies that that resist um, union demands. Um, and also going against workers um, who are trying to enforce their rights uh, when unions violate them. So it's it's really um, pretty dangerous and radical what's going on over there, and they're really just getting started. I mean, they've got uh, rulemaking in the process um, where they're trying to change uh, through federal rulemaking process. Um, they they want to restrict decertification elections. Um, they want to mandate card check, essentially, um, and a whole bunch of other things. They want to unionize. Uh, independent contractors, so people who normally, um, because they're their own one-person business, um, would would not be covered under the National Labor Relations Act. They're going to force them um, to be able to be unionized. Uh, student athletes, college football players, people may have been watching uh, football over the weekend. Um, they're trying to make them um, subject to unionization and, and force union dues. So uh, it's really every bad idea that a union um, lawyer can come up with is now being implemented by the National Labor Relations Board because it's almost entirely st staffed right now with um, former union lawyers. So dangerous time. Um, but the good news is, especially after um, a lot of the judges that are appointed um, by President Trump, um, you know, you got to get through the process of the National Labor Relations Board, and it's that's obviously biased um, for all the reasons that I just mentioned. But then you can go challenge a lot of that stuff in federal court, and that's um, where the National Right to Work Foundation expects to be very busy um, in the coming years. Because after we fight them at the Labor Board, which is sort of on their ground, um, we can take them to federal court, and that's where we can try and undo some of the damage that they're trying to do. In fact, I'm predicting that Right to Work is going to have their biggest year ever uh, in 2023, and they need your support. RightToWork.org. Patrick Simmons with us. We'll talk more in seconds about it on your radio. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. 
Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Simmons with me, RightToWork.org, the website, your national Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation has been given a tremendous major opportunity in our effort to score crucial victories over big labor's forced dues empire. This can happen in 2023 with your support and help, ladies and gentlemen, but here's a cool battle going on now. Kentucky Worker Hits Steel Workers Union with Complaint for Violation of Right to Work Law. Patrick? Yeah, that's right. So Kentucky is is one of the 27 states that has uh, a right to work law, and that means, as as we've talked about many times, that just means that union payment um, and membership is voluntary. So workers can still pay dues in a right to work state, but it can't be mandatory. Um, in, in the states without right-to-work laws, they can be fired solely for non-payment of um, union dues or fees. So um, this is a worker, you know, uh, right-to-work passed there in 2017. The old contract had a forced dues clause in it, and suddenly um, the new contract is not supposed to. But instead, um, she went and said, hey, I, I'm, you know, it's a right-to-work state now. I want out. I don't want to be part of this union. Resigned her union membership and um, should have had dues uh, no longer being taken out of her paycheck, but instead the union um, threatened her. They told you know, um, told her she had to pay, continued taking money, and so uh, National Right to Work Foundation staff attorneys filed this case for her. Um, we're also trying to get the, uh, the state labor uh, secretary to, um, to enforce the law. There's, a, there's both a private um, way to enforce it, that any employee can do, but then also you, you ideally you'd have uh, the government enforce its own laws as well. Um, that hasn't happened so far here, um, perhaps because this uh, this particular uh, uh, official was appointed by um, an opponent of the right to work law. Um, but uh, it's it's an ongoing case there, and it, it is a good reminder that you know. Um, Right-to-work laws can be on the books, but they don't enforce themselves, and union bosses will still um, try and violate them, um, and that's that's part of the reason why um, the National Right-to-Work Foundation is so important, because workers can come to us, and we can help them enforce their rights. What we um, need is more it, than know, a slap on the ignored. wrist when these. What we need is more a, more than a slap on the wrist when these unions violate 
uh, the current law, ladies and gentlemen, and they'll be working towards that as well. A California lifeguard asking the Supreme Court to, quote, blow the whistle on dues trap scheme. Patrick? Yeah, this is an important case. Um, It's a follow-up to the 2018 uh, Janus decision. So in 2018, um, the Supreme Court uh, heard arguments. Uh, One of the foundation staff attorneys uh, argued the case um, on behalf of Mark Janus, who was a a government employee in Illinois. He was being forced to fund uh, the AFSCME union there. Um, He said he didn't think he should be able to. The First Amendment uh, protects um, workers from being forced to to speak to their own government, being forced to subsidize that speech. Uh, The Supreme Court agreed in in Janus, um, but what we've seen is is public employees all across the country are having trouble um, enforcing their rights. Now, for, you know, uh, like four or 500,000 workers who previously been required to pay but were already non-members, they pretty much had their dues cut off right away, um, which is, uh, you know, a big big deal and a big chunk of money, but for um, a lot of people who were members, they then are having trouble getting out, and that's what happened here. You've got 21 um, uh, lifeguards out there, uh, and they uh, said, hey, you know, with Janus, we can get out. We can stop dues now. We want to go ahead and do that, um, and instead, the uh, the union there um, said, nope, we have a, we have a, what's called a, what they call a maintenance of membership requirement. That means once you're a member, you have to stay a member for four years. Um, and our view is this is a clear violation of Janus. Um, you can't get around Janus by saying, well, we're mandating membership, not the, the dues payment, even though membership and dues payment go together. Um, so this is now at the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, it's being briefed. The, uh, the Supreme Court ordered uh, the union and the state of California to respond um, and we're going to then file our final brief, um, and then I think sometime next month uh, we're hoping the Supreme Court is going to say, yeah, we want to take this case, we want to hear it, um, and, and hopefully reinforce uh, the Janus precedent because, um, you know, much like the, the Kentucky right to work law, um, you know, just because these, these rights theoretically exist, um, union, we know union bosses will, will violate them and and try and find all sorts of, you know, technical ways to trap people in dues for longer than they should be um, and that kind of thing. Uh, and so we're hoping that the Supreme Court is going to say, hey, look, this is, uh, you know, this, this clearly violates Janus. We, we meant what we said um, in the Janus decision and forcing um, California lifeguards or any other public employee uh, to be a member and therefore be trapped in forced dues payments for you know, in this case, four years at a time, um, is totally incompatible with the First Amendment. And it's so. kind of like a squatter case, ladies and gentlemen. If a squatter is allowed to sit on land for too long, eventually it's debatable whose land it really is. Possession is nine-tenths of the law, uh, they say. And so the problem is kind of like a common-law marriage or the squatter example that I give. If you live with a woman, a man and a woman live together for a certain amount of time. In a lot of states, it becomes common law. You're you're married. You're committed to each other. There's uh, financial obligations and all kinds of other things. Well, my whole point to bring those examples up is in Janice, if you let it be ignored over and over and over and over, eventually it becomes its own case president, uh, so to speak, to where basically it'll be like, look, this has never been enforced. That becomes uh, wrongfully so maybe, but that becomes an argument that starts to hold water. So we really got to protect what we've built here. Yeah, that's right. And also, it's, you know, it's frustrating for workers. Now, I mean, in this case, they, they were able to reach out to us, and, and obviously we filed this case a few years ago. It's been working its way through the system. Um, 
but you know, there's a lot of workers. They're busy. They got a lot going on. Um, maybe they ask the the union, uh, their union shop person, uh, steward, to say, "Hey, you know, I heard about that Janus thing. Does that mean I can cut off dues?" And they say, "Well, actually, if you read the contract that we have with the government of California, you have to wait four years. So don't really, you know." And they go, "Oh, okay. You know, I I can see the contract. That's in there. Now, is that an illegal?" contract that violates the constitution no because, yes, the, because the, argue, the contract but, was superseded by uh the supreme court decision that takes precedence, right 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 but they don't you know but but an individual employee who's trying to you know put food on the table and support their family and um you know they they often don't have time to 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 really dig into something like that and and union officials use that um to their advantage and and, and they you know sometimes it's it's technically true, but misleading. Sometimes it's out and out lies. Um, we've certainly seen a lot of that. Uh, the state of California, it's particularly bad because uh, public employers in California, so like let's say the lifeguard department or that these people work for, they are forbidden from giving any information to a worker about how to enforce their Janus rights. They have a state law there that says you can't tell a worker anything about Janus. If they ask you, you have to direct the person to the union. Um, so, so it's it's particularly pernicious um, there because it's completely one-sided. These workers get um, bad information, um, wrong information, um, information that violates uh, the law, and, and yet, um, you know, they're they're in the dark about their rights, and and often they're they're just too frustrated. That, you know, it's you know, it's a hundred bucks a month, or it's it's fifty bucks a month, um, and that, you know, it's real money. But it it may not be worth uh, fighting over. Um, but when the unions do that to thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people at a time, um, that gets back to why they have billions of dollars to spend on politics every day. All right, I know we we're going to let you go at thirty after, but I'm hoping you can stay a couple of more minutes. There's one more case I want to talk about uh, before we let you fly, Patrick, and that is this one. Uh, it's basically a Chicago area case. CBS employee rehired after filing legal action challenging union instigated firing in the first place. This is a huge one. Now, I don't know if I'd want to be rehired uh, necessarily because I don't know how uh, you know desirable the workplace would be if I got rehired in a situation like this. Uh, but this one's huge. Yeah, this is, I mean, it shows that, uh, that you know, Really, ultimately, it's this threat of termination that backs up all these threats, uh, you know, that that's, enforces the forced dues demands that union bosses make. This is someone who got hired, um, I think he was working part-time at a Evanston um, CVS uh, store uh, right around just outside Chicago. Um, and, you know, the union came and said, hey, you got to pay up, you got to pay up. And, and she knew a little bit about what was going on, knew her rights, something wasn't quite corrected in their demands. Um, they didn't give her uh, breakdowns of, of how they calculated the payment and all this sort of thing. Um, basically, yeah, they uh, they had her fired. Um, we then filed charges. I think the company realized they had they had gone too far. Um, so they did hire her back, I think, in part to stop the potential damages. Um, all right, hang tight. Quick wages. break. If you can stay with me just a couple of minutes longer, we'll finish this up. Got one more question about Amazon and others, and then we'll let you fly. RightToWork.org, ladies and gentlemen, a critical ally in freedom we want to be free in 23 pursuing liberty 
using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. Representative Kevin McCarthy, the Republican from California, was making final concessions to convince GOP leadership to support his bid for Speaker of the House. Representative Dan Crenshaw, a former Navy SEAL officer and serving the good folks in Texas' 2nd Congressional District, says there's no other Republican close to winning the Speaker's gavel. And to deny McCarthy is just like giving the Democrats a win on the silver platter. Look, you, you, you've got these members. You just showed who they are. No one knows what their goal is. They, they say their goal is some noble cause for the, the cause of conservatism, for the people, for holding the swamp accountable. Right? These are the phrases that they'll use. With five minutes and 58 seconds remaining in the first quarter of last night's Monday night football game between the Bengals and the Bills, 24-year-old Bill Safety Damar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest before collapsing on the field and being sent to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Damar remains in critical condition. NFL expert Adam Schefter on ESPN Monday night, shortly before the game was postponed for another day. You know, I don't ever recall an incident in-game like this, ever. It's never happened. Big banks are announcing that an economic downturn is fast approaching. More than two-thirds of the economists surveyed at 23 large financial institutions say that they do business with the Federal Reserve on a daily basis, and their opinion is that the United States will have a recession in 2023. Two others are predicting a recession in 24. Government overspending is why we're in this predicament. Extreme weather is bearing down on the plains and upper Midwest with heavy snow and strong tornadoes in the south. Over 3 million people were under tornado watches across parts of Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. Out west, Californians are bracing for even more atmospheric river events this week. This is USA News. The holidays are here. Achieve gifting greatness when you give perfectly aged, tender, delicious Omaha Steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have curated special gift packages to take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. Go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of 50% off site-wide. Plus, use code TREAT at checkout to get an additional $40 off your order. Send an assortment of mouthwatering favorites guaranteed to impress, like the legendary Butcher's Cut Filet Mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra Juicy burgers, even easy to prepare, ready in a flash comfort meals. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com, get 50% off site wide, plus use promo code TREAT at checkout to get that extra $40 off your order. Minimum order may be required. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Simmons, RightToWork.org. We're talking about the Chicago area case, a CBS employee, part-time, believe it or not. Today, you know what? This is bogus. Stood up. And wow, uh, we can be free in 23 if individuals like that stand up, backed by the Right to Work Foundation and others, ladies and gentlemen. Just think of the power of this one person, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, and, and she, she, I think, got... She understands why uh, Americans overwhelmingly believe that forced dues are wrong. It's just, it's just, uh, it should be a choice. It shouldn't be mandatory. Um, in her case, they sent her this threatening letter that said you got to pay um, by this date, and if you don't, we're going to have you fired. 
Um, and ultimately, she did pay. She cut them a check. She wrote paid under protest on it, but she, she did it and said, you know, I'm doing this just to keep my job. Um, but I'm, you know, I don't actually, I don't consent to this, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. And then they still had her fired. Um, and it just shows the union bosses were adamant about you, you know, you've got this date, you got to pay by and everything. And then she did pay. And ultimately they didn't even tell CVS that she had paid. And so CVS went through and had her fired at the union's behest. Um, but it does show that, you know, some people can, can stand up. Uh, for their rights and and like uh, you know you mentioned we got her her job back um she's been rehired uh, i think basically within 24 hours of of the charges being filed um and you know hopefully she's going to get some some further justice now um but it's uh it's it's an example of of greedy union bosses um claiming to be about workers but really they're about their own pockets and uh, making sure they've got workers money uh, not necessarily the workers' interests in mind. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. What about Amazon? I know it's kind of a mixed bag, and it's all over the map and everything else, but there's a lot that are fighting not to be unionized at, at Amazon in different locations, and they're trying to piecemeal back into forced unionism on them as well, right? Yeah, well, Amazon obviously is a major employer um, in the country, and, and that makes them a big target um, for uh, union organizers. They go, hey, there's a lot of... A lot of workers that's potentially a lot of dues um and so there's been some some pretty high profile uh you know um organizing campaigns uh in new york there were a couple votes um one they sort of unexpectedly the union won it um there's a lot of reasons why uh the way that vote took place there's some real questions um things that would not be legal in any other circumstance if the union was coming in uh, basically campaigning uh taking a camera in to when people were lining up to vote, um, things that would be grounds for, for overturning an election if an employer did it. But, of course, because of the union, and this is the Biden NLRB, um, they're trying to push forward um, with that. But then in, in, in basically every other place they've tried to get in, um, we're seeing workers take a look uh, and say, no thanks, um, we're, we're good with our current situation, um, or, or we certainly think we're better off without the union. Um, and that's that's something that we're seeing all across the country. I mean, it's basically this is this is this is a long um, tale of of how it works. I mean, we saw this with Walmart. Um, you know, Walmart was for a long time the biggest employer in the country um, in terms of the number of employees, and there was a long time campaign um, that the unions had trying to attack Walmart and every single um, thing they could think of. Uh, in an attempt to get in and, and unionize the workers and be able to force them to pay dues or else be fired. Um, those, uh, that campaign was overwhelmingly unsuccessful. Um, and so far, um, unions really have spent a lot of money. They've certainly got a lot of headlines from, from friendly uh, news outlets and that sort of thing. Um, but by and large, the, the actual employees of Amazon um, haven't really indicated that they want the union there. Uh, and I think that's that's what we're seeing. Um, you know, there's there's maybe reasons people are skeptical of Amazon, um, but it's the workers who who get uh, who have the closest view of what's going on in Amazon, and then also the alternative of what happens if union bosses get into their workplace. Um, and, and by and large, across the country, um, union union organizers have been unsuccessful in their targeting of uh, Amazon employees. And ladies and gentlemen, my main point is wherever you work, if the unions are coming down on you hard, if they're trying to manipulate the votes as you have that up front, 
uh, close front seat view, so to speak, and what's going on. You have a friend in the Right to Work business, ladies and gentlemen. RightToWork.org, they can help you, partner with you, get involved. We need to support them financially so they can carry this out. But, man, what a tremendous job they're doing now. Teachers unions are one of the biggest unions in the country. And I know they've been promoting this gay, lesbian, right, bisexual, transgender stuff. They've been promoting, um, you know, if you're white, you're a racist, uh, critical race theory discussions. I don't want to drag you into that political part of that, Patrick, but I do want to focus on uh, right to work, though. You know what? The more um, teachers that are part of the unions realize what's being done with their money, they can stand up and say, hey, man, I don't want my money used for this. I want out. And the more that do that, the greater chance we have to kind of bust up that forced unionism and their agenda. So I don't want to talk about the details of the agenda as much as we can help there, right? Yeah, no, I think that it's it's exactly right. And um, it's a good point that everyone, you know, needs to always remember. Union bosses claim to speak for every single person in a workplace, whether it's teachers uh, or, you know, uh, Amazon workers or whatever. But, but they don't. They speak for themselves. They have their own agenda. And a lot of the rank and file, whether it's teachers or or otherwise, they do not like what's being said in their name, what's being promoted in their name. Um, And some of the the radical ideology um, that we're seeing uh, is definitely an example of that. There's a lot of great teachers all across the country who who say, you know, what what am I supposed to be, um, you know, pushing on on young students in the classroom? There's no way I'm for that. you know, and uh, so their ability to, to use Janus to enforce their rights to at the very least start with cutting off dues um, and then also using other uh, legal ways to, to try and um, get the union out completely is definitely um, something they should, should look into. And, and as you mentioned, uh, the National Right to Work Foundation gives free legal aid to workers, so um, they don't pay a dime. Um, we, we have 21 uh, attorneys who all they do is represent um, workers in these types of situations. Uh, and so they can come to our website or, or give us a call, um, and someone can look at their case and, and see what we can do to help. And as we mentioned, you know, unions pretend to speak for everybody, but they don't. The rank and file oftentimes feel like they're being betrayed and being forced to pay for the betrayal. Uh, and this gives uh, workers an avenue at RightToWork.org and other, you know, to really um, not only get somebody to support them and help them navigate the complications of the law, uh, but also push the right buttons to make sure that they get a redress of grievance to where they get a chance to say, no, I don't want that. And as then other workers hear about it, um, more and more and more tend to stand up. That's why we need the new media taking center stage and the alternative media people to really promote this because the mainstream press don't want you to realize or know this either. But if we can spread these examples and spread these uh, cases where folks are standing up, um, it'll give other people um, courage, and that's what we need in 23. If we want to be free, we need courage, Patrick. Yeah, definitely, and it's uh, it, it is courageous workers that make what we do possible. I mean, we've you know we've had a dozen Supreme Court cases uh, where we've had wins, um, but none of those could have taken place unless there was a brave worker who who called and said, "Hey, I got this situation, and this doesn't seem right with the unions doing to me, and can you help me?" Um, and that's how it all starts. And, and then the next thing you know, uh, you've won a precedent that protects millions of workers all across the country. So um, it's it really is those brave workers who come and, and ask for free legal aid. And then, of course, um, the supporters who make it possible for us to give them that free legal representation. Patrick, we appreciate you. God bless you and your work. Tell your staff, thank you for all you're doing, sir. 
and our blessings are and prayers are with you in 23. Thanks a lot, Sam. It's great to, great to touch base with you again, and uh, Happy New Year to you and, and everyone listening. Amen. We'll have you back next month. And ladies and gentlemen, I got another story. RightToWork.org is not involved in this one, but it's so akin to the point I had to bring it up. Here it is. Headline says, Victory for Grandmothers. Court rule. Court ruled that the state cannot prohibit their food sales as long as, quote, product is shelf-stable, so it doesn't need refrigeration. Bob Unruh, WND.com with this piece. So it really relates to everybody, to families and everybody else, but they're calling it Victory for Grandmothers, which I really like. It's being called a Victory for Grandmothers, although it actually will help entire families, ladies and gentlemen. This is a cool, in my opinion, a very cool story. Um. I guess it's a uh, a court in Wisconsin ruled that the state cannot ban people from making and selling homemade shelf-stable foods directly to consumers. This is huge, folks, in my opinion, right? This is big. Uh, because remember, you and I have worked on defending an Amish farmer who wants this salve for your hands. Think about that. That's a, I don't think that's a food. Or is it? It nourishes your hands. Is it a food, even though you don't eat it? Just wondering. But a court in Wisconsin ruled that the state cannot ban people from making and selling homemade shelf-stable products and selling them directly to consumers. Wow. What does food or shelf-stable mean? We'll talk about that more in seconds. You're listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier. And this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast. And that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Decades after Jimmy Carter, Joe Biden picked up where he left off with America surrendering to terrorists. Biden's foolish spending is causing inflation, which means more pain at the pump, higher prices on groceries, devaluing your retirement savings when you need it most. 
once was a mistake, twice is a disaster. America needs strong leaders, not weak ones. Save America JFC is responsible for the content of this advertising. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman on your radio. So this is a, an incredible story in my opinion. It, it's a great news story, really. Victory for grandmothers is what it's being called. But really, a court in Wisconsin ruled that the state cannot ban people from making and selling homemade shelf-stable products and selling them directly to consumers. Shelf-stable means foods like fudge, donuts, roasted coffee beans that do not, any, do not need refrigeration to stay safe. It's the Institute for Justice that announced the victory on this one in this court fight, citing the decision from Lafayette County Circuit Court Judge Rhonda L. Lambert, or Lenford. Uh, that's who uh, is credited with the win and who brought this forward to our attention. Uh, it's a huge story, ladies and gentlemen. And again, it relates to your right to work. There's not a union involved there. So it's not really, um, you know, right to work, whatever you want to call it, purview. But yet it, it does matter. And it does make a difference, ladies and gentlemen. We have some sad stories that I want to bring to your attention. There's like three or four of them I'll do fairly quickly. West Point to remove Confederate monuments. This is a sad tale, folks. Now, I'm not saying you got to believe in the Confederate cause. I do. I believe the South was right on a lot of this. Were they perfect? Far from. But you know what? Um, we need to be really, really careful when we start destroying our history. Because history oftentimes serves as a reminder not to repeat history. It serves as a poignant understanding. So... Anyway, they're working on removing like 13-plus items from West Point. They say, noted that those memorials were installed and created at a time, listen to this, when the country was gripped by the lost cause ideology, which attempted to uh, put the Confederates in a positive light and minimize the role of of slavery and her treatment of enslaved people. Okay, that's not really true in my opinion, folks. Look, this is not always about slavery. I know they want you to believe that it is, but it's not always about slavery. Okay, remember a lot of this had to do with states' rights. A lot of this had to do with the ability to practice your Christian religion. Uh, I don't back slavery in any way, folks, in any way, period. However, I do realize there were more issues than that. And I realized even though a lot of the founding fathers were slave owners, they literally set the stage to get rid of slavery. If you go read the Declaration of Independence, if you go read the Constitution, you really begin to understand, in my opinion, that, you know what, the founding fathers didn't love slavery. And they just realized that it wasn't something that they could get rid of overnight. They set the stage in our founding documents. And I'm grateful that slavery was eventually abolished. But let's not throw these heroes under the bus on this false, dishonest premise that somehow they were evil and not even worthy of 
of mention or acknowledgement or appreciation. Okay, when I revere the founders, I don't look at them and say, yeah, I love slavery. It's awesome. I need a few slaves myself. Okay, it, it isn't that at all. It's I realize they lived in a very difficult cultural situation, and they did their best to extract themselves from it. Sadly, it didn't go as simply and as cleanly as William Wilberforce example went, right? Nevertheless, though, the founders set the stage to stop slavery, folks. Let's be very clear. Uh, to carry forward the abuses, another story highlights nicely. Here's the headline. Whence Westminster College, Westminster College in Salt Lake City, Utah, will offer a new course. It's called Dead White Women. Yeah, that's right. They're going to offer this during the swing or the spring 2023 semester, ladies and gentlemen. They say it'll analyze society's, quote, unhealthy obsession with the death of white women. That's according to the course catalog, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not obsessed with the death of white women. They say the four credit courses offered in both the film studies and gender studies department and they say this will show why um, shows on the investigations of uh, regarding the Discovery Channel relating to the deaths of white women more than white men and or black women, etc. And the problem that I have with this, folks, is are the American people obsessed with the death of white women? Or is it really that the media is obsessed with the deaths of white women, huh? Because I don't really think the average American is. I think they get drawn into the scandal and drawn into the sexual details or the abuse details. or You know, uh, any carnage makes folks curious. Any carnage makes folks, you look at an accident on the road. Um, everybody rubbernecks and looks back and like, oh, my gosh, what? Okay, this is natural for the human to do, but we should not exploit that nevertheless. So I believe the natural tendency of people is being exploited by the mainstream press and now being explo exploited more by this course, by Westminster Pol College. How dare you study dead white women and how everybody loves and just fascinated with the deaths of white women. It's not really true in my opinion. Anyway, what a shame. Uh, but there you have that. I thought I'd bring that to your attention because it's a weird in my opinion, a very weird story or a very weird, I don't know what to call it. Of course, it's, um, I don't know how to describe it. This course, this, it's just eerie. It's weird. It's crazy. But if we believe that we shouldn't delve into the deaths of white women, I don't know that we should focus so much more on how we behave. I don't think we should promote this more. Do you? But that's what will happen with this course. All right, the last story of the hour. This is just so weird. Throughout 2023, teachers' unions turned their attention to initiatives such as gender identity educational materials and reading lists that are all promoting quote political protest the nation's largest teachers 
unions, the NEA, National Education Association, and the American Federation of Teachers, uh, AFT, as well as their local chapters, have focused on integrating gender identity and critical race theory, CRT lessons, into the classroom. It's, it's a disgrace, folks. It really is. It is disaster with this happening. In 2022 alone, for example, folks, teachers' unions promoted LGBTQ ally badges, created ads labeling parents as extremists, and published, quote, summer reading lists promoting books about kneeling for the national anthem. Teachers' unions are one of the country's largest special interest groups pushing progressive politics. That's the deal. Um, I, I, I don't know how to respond to this more. But they're got, they've gone crazy, folks. The NEA and the AFT spent, listen to this, the NEA and the AFT combined spent over $100 million on political, acti- political activities last year. Do teachers know that, folks? Do teachers know how much they're being abused? <sighs> teachers are tired of being pawns in the union's political game. They're sick of it, folks. But they're trapped. A story about a transgender child who knew that she had a, quote, girl's brain and a boy's body at the age of two. Drag queen story hours. This just goes on and on and on. What do we do, folks? You have got to get your kids out of these schools. These teacher unions hate you. Parents are targeted as extremists and racist. Enough is enough, ladies and gentlemen. We have got to quit thinking these people have our best interest in mind and realizing they do not, right? I mean, are we going to realize we've been played for suckers yet? Or are we just going to continue going down this road where we trust the teachers and they betray us? We trust the teachers and they betray us and indoctrinate our children, huh? Speaking of unions, you have got to get out of forced unions. And as long as the teachers are involved in forced unions, we can't stop their spending. Did you hear me? The NEA and the AFT combined spent over $100 million on political activities last year alone. That is just shocking, right? Right? I don't know even how to respond to this exactly because it's just so aggressive, so abusive, so wrong, right? I don't know how we stop it, except for to get our kids out. Do you know any better way? Right? I don't know any uh, better way, but we've got to do something. We've got to do it now. I just don't know how to respond to all this.
gender identity, critical race theory, promoting it in the classrooms. Now Westminster going to have this training course. Wow. Labeling parents as extremists. They're pushing these progressive politics. Anybody who wants to stand up doesn't dare. Or they get absolutely destroyed, right? That's the problem. I don't know how to respond to this more than I already am. But ladies and gentlemen, please. I beg you, please get your kids out of the government school. Right? I don't know any better way to fix this thing, really. Do you? Uh, You know, in the past, it was like, well, let's go down to the school board and try to work with them, right? Well, that doesn't work, does it? As you've seen, that doesn't work at all. All they do is attack you for being parents. So, folks, get your kids out of the government school cesspool. I know it's hard, but it is doable, and we must do it now. There you have it. Two hours of hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. I am Sam Bushman. would like to thank everybody for their involvement for the show. If you'd like to fund us, lovingliberty.net is where you go. would greatly appreciate all your support. Archives of the broadcast, brighteon.com for TV, lovingliberty.net for radio. Donate liberally, would you please? If you want to get CSPOA updates for the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, uh, you can text, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and if you text the letters CSPOA, then you can uh, solve this problem and get it caught up on what we're doing to 53445. God save the republic. <laughs>